going to be in Exodus chapter 18. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're a rock, our crucified, risen, reigning, and soon coming again, Redeemer. Bless you, Father. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, we were looking at Israel's first armed conflict and how it ended in glorious victory. Everybody say, Booyah! Booyah! Booyah. Oh, that's good. All right. But you're awakened with it. Good deal. Um, but after that victory, God's going to keep the teaching going. He's going to go deeper. He taught Israel and Moses, you shall not fight your enemies all by yourselves. Remember how he had Aaron and her standing there and, and helping hold up Moses' hands? So part of the big lesson there was don't do this alone. Help each other out. Other big part of the lesson was look up to God and his power. Rely and trust in his power to accomplish the victory, right? So our next passage today in, in chapter 18 immediately follows this learning curve moment and that don't do the work alone kind of teaching, but it's gonna go much deeper. Uh, I'd love to watch, is God the, the, the best perfect teacher there's ever been? Just love watching through the scriptures how, how God teaches, takes us to one layer and then goes deeper. He's gonna do that today. So go with me to Exodus chapter 18, beginning verse one. God teaching the learning curve continues for Israel and uh, more teaching about don't do it alone. Chapter 18, verse 1. Jethro, remember him? Not the guy from Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> How many were thinking that? <laughs> no, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. That's probably where they got the Jethro name from. I know it's a down south favorite name. We don't use it much up here in the north, do we? But Jethro, the priest of Midian. Now that word priest there is really fascinating. It can also kind of be used like prince. It means acknowledged leader in the community in some fashion. But here, interesting, uh, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now, this is fascinating. What we wonder, did he just hear from, you know, traveling traders and stuff? I mean, the word about what happened, Egypt had to go out. And we know it did all over the place. Did he hear from just uh, random sources? Or did he hear from what we hear uh, about next? Verse 2, now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after Moses had sent her home along with her two sons. Now, as we study uh, Zipporah and the two sons and where they've been, they don't pop up a lot in the story. It's been quite a while back. It was on the way to Egypt last we heard from them. Remember the, the story, you're the husband of blood to me thing? That was, that was a mess. But so Zipporah and the two sons came with Moses to Egypt for this whole experience. It's most probably that when they crossed the Red Sea and they got settled in for this wilderness journey, however long it was going to take, it, it feels like, it seems like Moses said to Zipporah, uh, go visit dad. He's got to be wondering how you're doing, how things are going. You can give him an update, uh, details and stuff. You and the boys go see dad. So it says, uh, verse 2, now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one son was Gershom, for he said, Moses said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. So that's so every time he mentions his son's name, firstborn son, it's going to remind him of that 40 years 
uh, in the desert before God called him back to Egypt. Verse 4, the name of the other son was Eliezer. For Moses said, the God of my father was my help. Eliezer literally means God helps. Okay? The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. So the, the whole family's coming back. Jethro's bringing wife and sons back to Moses. And he, Jethro's coming for a visit too. Verse 7, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. I don't know how huge it is, but I love this. Um, Moses honors his father-in-law. And I think we need, we've got plenty of this, I think, in this congregation's life, but we need more. Um, honoring each other, building each other up, showing, showing deference to each other. This is a powerful thing. We see less and less of this in our culture. Less and less all the time. So let's work harder at it ourselves, shall we? We sang that song, they'll know we're Christians by our love. That's what Jesus said to the disciples. I think a part of this loving each other is honoring and, and showing deference to each other like this. It's a powerful, uh, healthy thing. They asked each other their welfare and went into the tent. Verse 8, then Moses told his father-in-law, all the Lord, now that's Lord all caps in your English Bible, so what does that mean? That's, that's Yahweh. Keep that in mind. Jethro, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Verse 8, then Moses told his father-in-law all the Lord, Yahweh, had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and then all the hardships that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord, Yahweh, had delivered them. What kind of hardships did they have already? They've only been in the desert for roughly three months or so. They've already had uh, need for water, need for food, something like bread, need for meat, something like that. And then again, a huge need for water. God's taken care of those situations every single time so far and continues to feed them every single day. Man in the morning, meat at night, water whenever they need it. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is a God who provides every need, just like we pray the Lord's Prayer, our daily bread. How the Lord delivered him. Verse 9. Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord, Yahweh, had done to Israel. Now, I, I mentioned that, I emphasize a little bit, because Jethro has not been um, an Israelite, God-fearing believer that we know of. He's uh, living in the land of Midian, which is an offshoot down from Abraham and, and Lot. Actually, from Lot, right? So there's connection, there's family connection. Um, Jethro might have had some clues about God, probably did, but we don't know that he was a lock, stock, and barrel believer. This passage is really focused on him in a pretty big way. So Jethro rejoiced for all the good of the Lord, Yahweh. Yahweh is the name for God that is almost exclusively used by Israelites. Okay? So what we see here is, is Jethro is, is taking a hold of Israel's God, uh, certainly, obviously, for his own. Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord Yahweh had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10, Jethro said, say it with me out loud together, will you? Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the, the, the I am, the Yahweh. Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under, from under the hand of the Egyptians. He makes a declaration of praise and of faith. 
Blessed be the I am, the Yahweh. Verse 11. He says, now I know that the Lord, see, notice the faith happening here. Now I know, I'm sorry, page flip. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair, they, these other gods, dealt arrogantly with the people. Uh, how many gods in Egypt? I don't even know if we have a full count. Hundreds. God dealt with 10 of the, the most, uh, the highest and most respected gods in Egypt, including Pharaoh himself through the plagues. But this is what Jethro acknowledges. He says, Egypt was the greatest planet on the earth, the greatest nation on planet earth. Their gods are respected and feared by all. And God has shown himself to be obviously greater and crushed all the so-called gods of Egypt. He says, now I know, I know Yahweh is God. Verse 12. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Now, all along it's been, it's been Lord, 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 Yahweh. But it says here, burnt offering and sacrifices to whom? To God. That's Elohim. That's the plural name for God. That means like God is, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We understand it that way. It's a plural name for God. But it's the name that most non-Israelites use when they're getting to know the true God of the of creation. Now, what's really, really fascinating about this is that Jethro brought burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Every single other time in the Old Testament that a person brings sacrifices and offerings to God, it's always to the Lord Yahweh. This is the only time in the Old Testament that offerings and sacrifices are brought to Elohim. It's the, Moses seems to be telling us, my dad wasn't sure. He wasn't a bona fide, testified, confirmed believer in God of Israel. But he is now. He brings sacrifice to God. Like nobody else ever did in the Old Testament. Now listen to this. Let's start verse 12 again. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron, Moses' brother, high priest to be soon, Aaron came with, say it with me, all the elders of Israel to do what? To eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in whose presence? Before God. What do you have happening here? Aaron comes along. It's not just Moses and dad, father-in-law, getting along. It's not just father-in-law from Midian saying yes to, to the Lord, to Yahweh. Aaron's been watching this. The elders have been watching this, and they're all going, this is real. And we're going to acknowledge this. We're going to welcome him. We're going to confirm that he is worshiping the one true God with us. Because this kind of stuff doesn't happen. To sit down and eat with somebody in that culture in the Middle East is to give approval. It's one of the reasons why we do it a lot at Dell. We're doing it more because of Acts chapter 2. We eat together. We fellowship together around food. Because it says we accept and honor and care about each other. We're trying to adopt that and bring it in from that other culture. We have a feeling for it here, but it's much stronger in that culture. But they, but they, Aaron and the elders all come, and they sit down to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. 
they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were saying, but they were saying, Jethro, you are one with us in faith. Big stuff. Now, later on, there's going to be some rough patches with this. You've got to kind of keep this moment in mind. This is real deal, but it's going to be tested later on by sin and some messed up stuff. Verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. So visit time and, and schmooze time with father-in-law is over. It's back to work, right? Say back to work. Back to work. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to two or three different things here. They come to me to inquire of God. They want to get to know God better. They have God questions, so they come to me. Verse 16, when they have a dispute, say, ow. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. So he's, he's judging situations, altercations, disputes. And he says, and I make them know the statutes of God. So he's doing three things here. He's answering God questions. He's uh, settling disputes, and he's teaching them the word of God, the laws of God. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you were doing is not good. And you say, well, well, wait a minute. Isn't it good to answer their questions about God and settle disputes and teaching the law? Isn't that a good thing? But his father, Jethro, says, what you're doing is not good. Verse 18, you and the people with you will certainly say with me, wear yourselves out. Be careful with that, don't we? So you're going to wear yourselves out. But the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. What did we just learn with the battle of the Amalekites? Could Moses do that alone? No, he needed help. It's going to go far beyond that. You're not able to do this alone, verse 19. This is really interesting. Father-in-law says, now obey my voice. Now, if you're a man... You might, you might be willing to listen to this to, from your father, maybe even grandpa. Father-in-law, interesting. Obey my voice. I will give you advice. And then he says, and God be with you. That's where Jethro says, check this with the Lord. But if it's from the Lord, follow through, because I think I'm spot on here. I mean, you don't, come, you don't say this, right, unless you're convinced that you're right. Obey my voice. Now, as a dad, I only did that when I knew I was right. Amen? Amen? Amen. <laughs> it says, now obey my voice. I'll give you advice. God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. You shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Jethro says, you know what? You need to make job one, representative people to God, like, like a high priest, a worship leader kind of thing, who says, here's the main thing. You've got to be training these people up in the ways of God. Then there will be less inquiries about God. Then there will be less disputes when they know the ways of God. And the more they get to know God's ways and his laws, it will make it easier for everybody. Everybody wins. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. So that goes back to our kid talk, right? What, what do we need happening in our homes? Whether you have kids at home or not anymore, what do you still need happening in your homes? 
growing in your knowledge of the Lord, growing in the knowing of his ways, his truth, his laws. Because as you grow in the knowledge of the Lord and growing in knowing his ways, life is better, disputes are fewer, clearer testimony to the one true God is coming forth. Now I know we've, we've got grandparents, we have parents and all that kind of thing. Even for grandparents, this is still a big opportunity for you to love and pray, and when God gives you opportunity, to build into the lives of your grandkids. So Jethro says in verse 20, you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Lots of musts and have-tos in here, right? Folks, uh, our country is, in our, our Christianity in this country is way too soft and fuzzy. Our God is holy and righteous. Our God is gracious and merciful. Which aspect of our God's character do we tend to overemphasize and only focus on in America? Fuzzy dice God. That's why we've got this mess in America with confusion among Christians about what's true and what's not and what the Bible says and what it doesn't. I'm going to mention later, you're probably going to uh, brand new Pew Research 60-some percent of Americans still say they're Christians. But when you dig deeper and ask deeper questions, only 6% of them have a clue what a biblical worldview is and claim to believe in walking that. 6% of Americans are walking in some kind of biblical worldview. We've been, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say you can overemphasize the love of God. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying... We have so ignored and underemphasized the righteousness and the danger of ignoring the holiness of God that we've put ourselves into a deep, deep lane. So what is what is Jethro recognizing? He says, warn them, look at the negative words here, the, the, the danger, verse 20. Warn them about the statutes and laws. Make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Jethro's serious. He's going... You've got a problem on your hands. You've got a nation that doesn't know the ways of God, and that's big danger. So where are we at as a nation? We know we've got big danger going on, don't we? Verse 21, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe. Hallelujah, can we use that in Washington, amen? I want to see a list. Every single elected official who has become a multimillionaire in office when they have no reasonable source for that kind of income. The bribery is rampant. Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Now you notice this? Uh, let's just say you're in charge of ten families. Uh, do we really not care too much about your character and stuff because you've got such a little job? No, we, we even want the chiefs of tens to be men who hate bribes, who fear God, and who are trustworthy in all matters. At every level, people. We need godly leaders at every level. Little town of Frost. Do they need godly people on their council? Show enough. Township board. 
where does it go? Littleton Life Ross Township Board, then county, then state, folks at every level. At every level, we need godly leaders. All the way down to leaders of 10, verse 22. Let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter, every big deal, they shall bring to you. But any small matter, they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Say that with me. They will bear the burden with you. Hallelujah. And that's what the body of Christ is designed to do. Verse 23. If you do this, God will direct you. He says, if this is from the Lord, God will bless it. You'll be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Well, you think back to the foundations of our nation, man. When they wrote the Constitution and the Declaration, um, those guys did their business in Washington. vast majority of them were God-fears. And then they go home to farm for five, six, seven, eight months, and, and then they come back and do the business. Wow. Good old days, amen? Hey, we can come back. God can do it. Verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law. Way to go, Moses. Did all that he had said. Now Moses checked this with the Lord, amen? And God was like, I know you didn't expect your midnight father-in-law to come in here and straighten out your whole organization, but I sent him. Did all that he said, verse 25, Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. Now we know from Deuteronomy in the first chapter, and Moses actually went to the tribes and said, hey, you know your people way better than I do. You guys figure out who the leaders ought to be. And they brought those names to Moses and he approved them. Okay? So verse 26. They judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and went away to his own country. You suppose Moses said, hey, don't be a stranger? You suppose he said, you're going to stop in now and then, right? Father-in-law, when he brought this much help and health and righteousness to Israel, I'm sure Moses said, you'd be coming back. So don't do the work alone. That lesson goes way deeper today. Let godly men and women help you. Don't do anything here at Dell alone. Don't do anything significant in your life alone. If you don't have helpers and friends and family who come alongside you, pray and ask God to send them. Be looking and ask God to send them. So what's the best way to reduce the workload of disputes and people not knowing God's ways? One, warn them about the laws, the truths, and what's right and wrong. We can't be silent about that anymore. I know we can't go to school board meetings and county board meetings and yell at them and tell them to do things God's way. I know we can't function that way. But when we have opportunity to speak in situations, and we should, then we need to speak clearly about the dangers of not doing things God's way and about the blessings and the opportunities of doing it the right way. Um, we might be called to go to school board meetings Stuff we used to think was always out there in the coast somewhere and isn't coming here. Uh, stuff has been drifting way down closer to home. I think probably more than we realize. I guess one good thing about COVID, learning for a year, 
was that I've understood a lot of parents got a way deeper clue what was being taught because it was coming into their homes over screens. And when they were at home, they were like, what? So, yeah, there's a lot of rising up happening around the nation. It's a good thing. Um, make the kids know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Now, this is really interesting application, I think, of the, the story today. Israel was coming out of a time, 400 years in Egypt, where they didn't know God very well and they had precious little training in his ways. So they were coming out of a time of, of not much connectivity with God. America is descending into a time when we don't know God very well. And there's precious little training in his ways, in schools, in homes, even in churches. So that Pew Research thing, 60% of Americans still claim to be Christian, but only 6% of them have a clue what a biblical worldview even is. And I'd be willing to bet that if we sat down with the 6%, uh, a goodly portion of them would not be living what they believe. The vast majority of universities and colleges in our country are sold out to unbiblical, immoral, illogical left-wing insanities. I'm so blessed that Adele, the families and parents we have here, how we, how you and we together have trained kids so they know what they're in for when they go off to college. Praise God. It's, it's not an easy thing. It's a hard thing. Um, majority of our public schools are varying levels of off-track in the classroom. Some of them are radically off. Well, they, now, even even if the classroom is pretty decent in the public schools, wherever the schooling's happening, even if the teaching is, is halfway decent, you got to check this. Um, the unbiblical lifestyles and thinking that fills the minds of their classmates who come from clueless homes has maybe as much or more influence as what's coming from the teacher's podium. And that's really, really sobering. So if Jethro were to walk in here today, not the one from Beverly Hillbillies, if Moses' father-in-law Jethro were to walk in here today and be our guest speaker, I believe that he would give advice something like this. Number one, our children and grandchildren have to be taught right and wrong, truth and error from little ones up. In some public schools, First graders are being trained sex ed stuff that you wouldn't want your senior in high school trained in. I am not kidding you. You can't wait until they're 10 years old to start telling them about truth and error and right and wrong. You gotta start from diapers. So we need to be training them on truth and error, little ones up with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible as the always central focus, um, not just telling them it's trustworthy and true, but giving them evidence for that. We help you with that all the time. Read Bible stories to your kids. When they get some older, read missionary stories to them. we got tons of excellent ones back there, very readable, um, short kind of deals, but um, let, let your kids hear stories of what it means to step out in radical faith and do amazing things for God. Read that stuff to your kids. Pray with them every night. Show them how to walk with Jesus in everyday life. Um, 
prioritize Sunday school attendance, Pioneer Club, youth group, confirmation. Um, now, we aren't doing the main work with those ministries. That's icing on your cake, but it's excellent icing here. We have wonderful volunteers, leaders, and teachers. Uh, the programs, we're, we're doing an excellent job. So prioritize that if you can because uh, that is excellent icing on your cake at home. Number two, I wanted some practical stuff for you today. Answers in Genesis, their magazine, I think it's quarterly, every three months, is the most award-winning, fantastic creation resource you'll ever find. It is fantastic. And it might stretch your brain now and then, but they keep the articles just a page or two, so it doesn't blow you away, okay? but loaded with amazing creation stuff. Uh, blows evolution out of the water, every single issue. They always have inside of it a four or six page thing for the kids at the kids level. It's always fantastic. So good. Uh, I, I put them out there and I, I see that they can use it on them. I, that's fantastic. I'd love to have these in, in every single home. And to, the way to find that is answersingenesis.org answersingenesis.org. That's a huge and powerful investment in your kids and in your home, in their future faith, because you and I, we have to evolution-proof our kids. That's just, other than knowing Jesus in the Bible, that's job two, evolution-proof our kids. Evolution is godless, the devil's all over it. If they don't come out of, of high school evolution-proof, we're in trouble. Um, send a subscription to your grandkids. You know, I suppose maybe ask permission. But uh, even if you're, if you've got adult kids that have maybe drifted, they aren't as on track as you'd like them to be and stuff, and you don't know what the grandkids are getting, ask mom and dad if you can send them a subscription. To answers in Genesis. Make sure the kids know it's coming. They'll jump on it. Do what you can. Pray. Amen. Uh, number three. Come to the Exodus movies. These are fantastic. It will bolster your faith and trust the Bible is real and true. It'll give you great stuff to talk about in conversations, coffees, and things like that. Um, come to an old Bible study on Sunday mornings when you get going again in the fall. Be a lifelong learner yourself. You don't know it all. I don't know it all. Nobody knows it all but Jesus. Amen? Keep on learning so you can be sharp and you have things, fresh things to share with people when you're in conversations. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter of encouragement to younger Timothy. I'm going to close with this. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Again, the Bible, uh, this part, just so spot on for what we're living in today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Paul writing to a young, young, young pastor, Timothy. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. There are pastors and churches and whole denominations that are saying yes to evolution now. Foolish, it's wicked, they're imposters. They're no longer teaching. It's not, that's not a biblical faith. They're not worshiping the God of the Bible anymore. I don't know who they're worshiping, but it's not the God of the Bible. 
verse 14. But as for you, so take this to heart, you and me today. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Don't drop it now. Don't get soft now. Now we need stronger and, and uh, better understanding and, and more uh, ability to share with others. He says, continue what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. When did they start teaching, training up Timothy in the word of God? From little squirt. That's what the whole Bible encourages us to do. From how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What's the ultimate, folks? We don't just want better, we don't just want better behaving kids. We want them to be saved through their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that comes through exposure to the Word of God. Verse 16. Let you say that we, we probably got this memorized. Let's say it out loud together. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Let's just stop there for a second. Now, I'm, I know I'm down in American Christianity because we're really messing things up in general. We're not doing a good job. And you don't hear sermons like this in most churches in America on a Sunday morning. You don't hear things about teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. You hear how God's going to make your life better and fuzzier and nicer today. That comes with the gospel and salvation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? But that's not the focal point. Verse 17, that the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Verse chapter 4, he says, I charge you in the, is that serious wording? Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. I don't see any fuzzy dice in there. I see this is this is important. This is vital. This is crucial and critical. Verse three: For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Wow! But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. There was a church that had an Answers in Genesis uh, guy come and do presentation to congregation. And he was preaching, teaching from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 about male and female and how to handle all these matters in today's world. And the pastor, after his presentation, went up to him behind the stage and says, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. That's what's going on. He accidentally invited a Bible-preaching, teaching man to his church and then asked him to leave. They're, we're wandering off into myths. Evolution is a myth. It's a fairy tale. It's a lie. All the other stuff that goes with it. Verse 5. Critical race theory, all that stuff is junk. Verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. We go back to verses 14 and 15. This is the final uh, wrap it up verses for today. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, 
how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. These Bibles are gold. The truth in them is eternal gold. And our children desperately need them from diapers up today. Our grandkids need them. Our neighbors need it. Be praying for people who don't know the Lord and don't know his word. Be inviting. Please be inviting people to the Exodus movies. Um, let's pray. God Almighty, help us. We love you, Lord. We love your word. God, I thank you that we are alive for such a time as this. I praise you that we are here right now for such a time as this. Help us to continue in your word, to grow in it. We firmly believe it and we love it. And we, know, we want to know more. And God, grow our firmness, our conviction, our understanding. Uh, help us to always be learning new things so we have fresh stuff to share with people around us. God bless our grandparents and our parents here at Dell. Bless them, Father. I'm so excited by what I, by what I, by what I know is happening in almost every home. Good things are happening. God bless that. Grow and strengthen in Jesus' name. Help us to raise up another generation of young people committed to Christ and his word and who know truth from error. Bless you, Father. God help us. Thanks for the help. We rejoice in your answer to these prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.